Good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online. We know that you're out there. I was uh, reading about a nurse who had the unenviable position of giving immunizations to little children. So she's approaching four-year-old Lizzie with the needle. And Lizzie saw it coming, and she said, no, no, no. And Lizzie's mom said, Lizzie, that's not very polite. To which Lizzie responded, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. <laughs> we talk a little bit about courtesy this morning. The uh, policy think tank, Public Agenda, Agenda, recently conducted a nationwide survey about what Americans think of rude behavior, whether on the road, in restaurants, or in the workplace, and here are some of the findings. 79% believe lack of respect and courtesy is a national problem, you think? 73% believe we treated one another with greater respect in the past. 49% object, objected to loud, annoying cell phone conversations. 44% hear foul language and say it bothers them a lot. 41% confess to having acted rudely or disrespectfully themselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the love chapter, uh, in that chapter, Paul writes, Love is not rude. Well, what's the opposite of rudeness? It's courtesy. Now, love God, love people, serve others. And in this month, we've been focusing on loving people. And so we've said loving people, that's the most satisfying way to live a life. Especially talking about biblical love, which, which focuses more on giving than getting. You know, loving people is an action. It's a values-based decision. It's not just feelings and emotions. We've talked about loving people in our life groups and in our small groups. And last week, loving people with patience. But today, I want to zero in on courtesy. And that might not seem like a big deal, courtesy, not like forgiveness or patience maybe, but I hope we'll see it, it is a big deal, and it is important to God. I want to approach it this morning by asking and answering three basic questions. First of all, what is courtesy? What is loving courtesy? In Romans chapter 12, verse 16, Paul writes the following, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, and if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. When you think of courtesy, what do you think of? I, I tend to think of polite, being polite, and that's definitely a part of it. But the word is richer than that. It includes an element of respect, and the real takeaway I want us to have for this particular question, what is courtesy, is, is this idea. It's being friendly-minded, having a posture of friendliness, viewing everyone and treating them as a friend or a potential friend, even if they're a stranger or even if maybe they are an enemy. In the Bible, friendliness is Jesus washing the feet of the disciples at the Passover meal. Friendliness is Barnabas coming alongside of Saul, a recent convert to Christianity, but because he was a persecutor of the church in the past, he's having a hard time breaking into the social circles there in the Jerusalem church. Barnabas comes alongside of Saul, puts an arm around him, takes him to the apostles, makes the introduction, speaks a good word, and eases his way. Saul becomes Paul. Courtesy. That's the apostle Paul. He's standing before a king and a governor having been unjustly imprisoned, imprisoned for two years on trumped-up charges. 
And now, so he's standing before these representatives of the oppressive government that put him in prison, and he makes his defense. And I'm going to read a portion of Paul's defense before the governor and the king. What I want us to hear, it's kind of a long passage, track with me, follow on the screen. I want us to see the courtesy in Paul's words. Acts 26.2, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. These words ooze the courtesy of Paul. And he goes on basically in this defense. He talks about Jesus, how Jesus is the Messiah, fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. He died, resurrected, basically preaching the gospel. When he talks about the resurrection, he's interrupted by the governor Festus. We pick up in verse 24. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. Oh, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. And the king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, I pray, that God, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. These are the gracious, respectful, considerate words of the Apostle Paul. It's no wonder he won so many to his cause. A few years ago, there was a best-selling book by Robert Fulgham entitled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And you know, it's true in every culture and subculture. There's a set of beliefs and practices that sort of define what courtesy is. And most of us learn that at, our, at the knee of our parents or in kindergarten or in Sunday school or in one of those venues. But I want to read you the introduction from that book. Fulgham writes, All I Really Need to Know I, How to Live and What to Do and How to Be I Learned in Kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out in the world, watch for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. He says, everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule, love, basic sanitation, ecology, and politics, and equality, and sane living. Think what a better world it would be if all governments had as a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it is still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out in the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. I was on a field trip with uh, my second grade grandson, a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to his teacher. We were sitting across from each other in the bus. She says, we were talking about the kids that she has in her classrooms now. And she says, these common courtesies are declining. They're diminishing. For some reason, kids don't seem to be learning those quite as much. What does loving courtesy look like? We know what it looks like. I mean, it's, it's, it's paying attention when someone is talking to you and listening to them. It's noticing other people's efforts, being grateful for them, maybe sending a thank you note or saying thank you to people holding the door for someone, giving up a seat for the elderly, being able to disagree without necessarily being disagreeable. In a life group, we talked about loving people through our life groups. 
What does loving courtesy look like? Being courteous in the life group. Again, taking a turn in a discussion. You know, we introverts, we like to sit back and let other people do all the talking, but we have a contribution, so participating in that conversation. Extroverts, sometimes they have to hold back a little bit, make sure they're not dominating the conversation, but let other people take a turn. Pay attention, listen, be respectful of time, show up on time, leave on time. That's even more important to the host, not having to flick the lights on and off at midnight. And Well, I guess they better go to bed now. But just little things. But the big thing that, that I want us to take away for this question, what is loving courtesy? Is this, this idea, friendly-mindedness, being friendly-minded. Every person that we encounter is a potential friend, and we're going to treat them as a friend, whether they're being courteous or not. Second question, what is the value of loving courtesy? What's the value? Solomon writes in Proverbs 22, He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. There are a lot of things we could say right here about value, but I'm just going to say two. Number one, courtesy opens doors. It opens doors. It's, it's more likely to get us where we want to go. Now, there are some, some who believe squeaky wheel gets the grace, and if I gets the grease, rather, and if I'm a little bit pushy and, or obnoxious, then I'll be likely to get my way. That may work sometimes. But by and large, now that's the exception to the rule. The rule is being courteous, being respectful, being friendly, being polite. That's more likely to get us where we want to go. In another life, I was a rental car agent at Alamo Rental Car, and I was, I was, I was at the largest rental car agency in the world at that time, which was located at off-site Orlando International Airport, and had 30 rental agents, 24-7 working out there. And all of us had to take a turn at the returns counter. Nobody wanted to, but we all had to take our turn because the only people that came there were people who had a problem. I'll give you an example of the kind of problem. If uh, Back then, I don't know if it's still that way, if you took a car and you returned it half, the, the tank was half full and Alamo had to fill it up with gas, man, they gouged you on gas. They would charge you an exorbitant amount, like $8 a gallon, and uh, you would have to pay for that in your contract. So sometimes, even though people initiated that on the contract, initialed it, they knew it was there, they still would come back afterwards and say, I don't want to pay this. So that's the kind of thing we would get at returns. As a real agent, I was authorized to remove a certain amount of charges up to a certain limit. And when it went beyond that limit, I had to go get the manager. So here's what would happen. Here, this was scenario repeated over and over again. Somebody had a return. It was over my limit. I would go to get the manager. So I'd say to you as a customer, you wait right here. I'm going to go get the manager. So I go get the manager. The manager and I are walking back to the returns desk. And she'd say to me, all right, the person we're going to see, are they being nice about it, or are they being mean? Are they being polite, or are they being rude? Depending on how I answered that question, nine times out of ten determined whether or not the customer got satisfaction, right? If I said, if I said oh, yeah, you know, they initialed it. It's, it's in their contract, but they're being pretty nice about it. They're being polite. Then nine times out of ten, she would just remove that charge from the contract. If I said, oh, they're being an obnoxious jerk, then her mind was made up. Most of the time, before she even talked to the customer, they're going to have to pay. They're not going to get what they want. And 
it impressed me at, at that age and at that time, courtesy, respect, politeness gets people where they want to go. That's what opens doors. It's not rudeness and obnoxious behavior. You guys knew that. Here's the second thing I think is even more important about loving courtesy. Not only opens doors, it opens people's hearts. Courtesy, friendly-mindedness opens hearts. Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer everyone. What is grace? Grace is, means gift, but it is, it is treating others better than they deserve to be treated. Let your conversation be full of grace. Speak with others. Act toward others better than they deserve. That's how God has acted toward us, with grace. We certainly are not getting what we deserve or what we've earned. Thankfully, God is treating us far better than we deserve. So this is the kind of thing that opens people's hearts. Back in 2012, there erupted what's come to be known as the chicken wars. Now, what happened was uh, Dan Cathy, the president and CEO of Chick-fil-A at that time, was interviewed. Now, th during this time, if you recall, uh, same-sex marriage was being debated. It wasn't law yet. It was being debated. And so in this interview, uh, Dan Cathy was asked what his position was. And he said, well, I support you know, traditional biblical understanding of marriage. All right. When that interview was published, the, the, the pushback was huge. It was a huge backlash. And there were protesters coming out and picketing Chick-fil-A, and they, they called for a boycott of Chick-fil-A on a certain day. Y'all remember that? They were going to boycott on a certain day. Now, here on the other side are the supporters of Dan Cathy and, and this understanding of marriage and Chick-fil-A, they decided to turn out en masse on boycott day. And so on that day, there were lines and lines out of every Chick-fil-A in the country, and they probably broke all of their sales records. The media had a heyday because they love a controversy, and they would stick a microphone in front of anybody's face who had a strong opinion on the matter. So you probably remember that. Most of you do, and you knew that. What you may not have known is during that same time period, very quietly and behind the scenes, Dan Cathy reached out to a homosexual advocate. He was the leader of Campus Pride named Shane Windermere. He reached out to him. And later on in the Huffington Post, Shane Windermere wrote an article about his subsequent friendship with Dan Cathy and how that came to be. Let me just read you a quote from the article that Shane wrote, quote, in the heat of the controversy, I got a surprise call from Dan Cathy. I took the call with great caution. He was going to tear me apart, right? He's going to threaten me with his lawyers. The first call lasted over an hour, and the private conversation led to more calls the next week and the week after, and his questions and a series of deeper conversations ultimately led to a number of in-person meetings. It was awkward at times, but he was always genuine and kind. It's not often that people with deeply held and completely opposing viewpoints actually risk sitting down and listening to one another. Dan sought first to understand, then to be understood. Through all this, Dan and I shared respectful, enduring communication and built trust. His demeanor has always been one of kindness and openness. He and I were committed to a better understanding of one another. 
our mutual hope was to find common ground, if possible, and to build respect no matter what. Neither of us could, would, or did change our opinion. But we were in dialogue, and the dialogue led to friendship. Well, what do you know? <laughs> There's a Christian who reached out with loving courtesy. What is it? Friendly-mindedness. Treating someone who considered him to be an enemy, treating him as a friend and with respect and with love and established a friendship. Now, it's not like Shane ever came across, came over to the other side. You know, neither one changed their position, but they had a friendship. And if Shane was ever to be open at some point in the future to the message of the gospel, do you think he's going to be open more to a friend or someone who's waving a sign and beating him over the head with a 10-pound Bible? And what, we're, what are we saying here? We're talking about loving people, treating everyone as a friend, friendly-mindedness, and how it opens people's hearts. We're all like that. It opens people's hearts, the value of loving courtesy. The third question, how can I develop courtesy in my life? How can I be more loving and courteous? James chapter 2, verse 8, James writes, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Hey, we're going to get irritated sometimes. Somebody's going to cut us off in traffic. Somebody's chewing their food with their mouth open, whatever it is that irritates us. or might be a, a kind of person. So how can we develop this in our life? Now, we know God's at work, the Holy Spirit, the whole sanctification thing. We want to cooperate with Him. Let me suggest keeping three principles in mind. Principle number one, every person that we meet, every person has value. Every person we meet and with whom we interact has value. God has paid the same price to redeem them as he did to redeem me and you. That's the blood of Christ. Every person is of inestimable value to God, and therefore they have value to us. Number two, second thing to keep in mind, every person we meet is struggling. Behind the face is a spirit that is struggling. That struggle may emerge from, it may be medical, it may have something to do with sickness and disease, it may have something to do with broken, estranged relationship, it may have something to do with addiction, whether it's chemical or, addic or sinful addiction, it may be economic. You have a struggle. I have a struggle, every person you meet. And so when the behavior coming toward us seems to be rude or discourteous, or irritating in some way, just remember, underneath that superficial behavior, there's a person of value to God who has a struggle. And some of that may be emerged. It may be emerging from what they're struggling with. And here's a third thing to remember, one third truth. Every expression of courtesy enriches someone's life. We never outgrow the need for friendship. Nobody does. We never outgrow the need for love and for people to, to treat us with respect. All people want that. Even people we would consider to be bad people. They want a friend. They want love. And they want to be treated with respect. What power we have to enrich other people's lives. I want to give you a... Here's a final story. And this comes from Chicken Soup for the Soul. It was written by John Schlatter. It's called The Simple Gesture. I did a little due diligence on this just to make sure this is a true story, and it is. Let me read this to you. 
Mark was walking home from school one day when he noticed the boy ahead of him had tripped and dropped all the books he was carrying, along with two sweaters, a baseball bat, a glove, and a small tape recorder. And this was, these were junior high kids. Mark knelt down and helped the boy pick up the scattered articles. Since they were going the same way, he helped to carry part of the burden. As they walked, Mark discovered the boy's name was Bill, that he loved video games, baseball, and history, that he was having lots of trouble with his other subjects and had just broken up with his girlfriend. They arrived at Bill's home first, and Mark was invited in for a Coke and to watch some TV. The afternoon passed pleasantly with a few laughs and some shared small talk, and then Mark went home. They continued to see each other around school, had lunch together once or twice, then both graduated from junior high school. They ended up in the same high school where they had brief contacts over the years. And finally, the long-awaited senior year came, and three weeks before graduation, Bill asked Mark if they could talk. Bill reminded him of the day years ago when they had first met. Bill asked, did you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things home that day? You see, I cleaned out my locker because I didn't want to leave a mess for anyone else. I'd stored away some of my mother's sleeping pills, and I was going home to commit suicide. But after we spent some time together talking and laughing, I realized that if I had killed myself, I would have missed that time and so many others that might follow. So you see, Mark, when you picked up those books that day, you did a lot more. You saved my life. John Schlatter, who wrote this contribution, was the high school teacher for both of these boys. He remained in their lives, spoke at both of their weddings, and he writes in a postscript that both went on. One went on to become a minister. One went on to become a successful businessman. Every act of loving courtesy enriches someone's life. It may not be as dramatic as intervening in the life of someone who's contemplating suicide. Might be. How, how could we know? I look around and I see so many people in this room who are and have been for years committed to loving people, to friendly mindedness, to treating everyone in this way. I have no doubt that you have made a dramatic difference in the lives of other people. But what we're remembering, what we want to remember this morning, is we're developing this courtesy in our lives, the power that God has given to us. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be a powerful politician to have great power, the great power that God has given to us when he has told us in his word, this is how people are. This is what people need. This is what you can do and give to people. You can love people. Like I have loved you. You love people with courtesy, with kindness, with friendly mindedness, with respect. Treat them as a friend, and you can change their life and maybe open up their heart to the gospel, which will change their eternity. Let's remember that this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have loved us in this way, that while we were still sinners, meaning while we were still enemies, you sent Jesus to die for us. And Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters, and he calls us his friends. We pray to our brothers and sisters in the church and those are outside. We will treat everyone in this way with loving courtesy, with friendly mindedness, with, and, and, and use this life-giving power upon which you have bestowed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.